But, uh, but when I got up to speak, uh, I, I gave a little charge, you know, uh, as, well as, a, as well as a blessing. And so I, I talked about, a little bit about uh, humility. I mentioned uh, to them, to these graduates, that um, uh, it's not just about, uh, w- you know, what they will do, but it's about who they are becoming, the, the men and women you know, that they are, uh, that they are becoming. And that a question to ask themselves besides, well, what college am I going to go to? How am I going to make a living? Where am I going to live? What, you know, all that is, what kind of impact will I make in my life? You know, and impact means making a difference in the lives of people, whether that means by, uh, you know, inventing something, designing something, creating something, or, or most importantly, about being something, you know? So I, I talked about uh, those things, and so I, I took a page out of the, uh, a little bit anyway, out of the message from a few weeks ago about humility, making room at the table for other people. But then I also talked about uh, courage, about having courage. And I thought that uh, the reason I did that, the reason I talked about humility and courage, is because they're, they're viewed as such entirely different things. You, you know, now, you know, we're used to maybe framing things biblically, so maybe that, uh, that, that doesn't really resonate with us. But boy, in the world that we live in, uh, courage and humility are not the same, are not the same. You know, and, uh, and so I thought today that, that made me think, well, you know, that'd be a good thing for us all to be, uh, uh, engendering in our lives is what it means to be courageous. What it means to be courageous. And I went back and forth on this, I, uh, because, um, I think there's a lot of people who think they're being courageous, you know, when they're just trying to be either Rocky Balboa or John Wayne. Uh, in the Lord, uh, you, you know, uh, and sort of uh, get, get the idea that, that if I'm just like sort of a macho out there person in the name of the Lord, that's, you know, that's what courage is, right? And so I was a little reticent, actually, to, to talk about it, uh, because as I was preparing it, I thought to myself, well, this is kind of like being meek. <laughs> you know, so I so what what I'm what what we're discerning is is that they kind of overlap some of these uh, virtues, and we will actually devote sometimes to be some uh, of our time over this seven week journey uh, to talk about meekness. But uh, today I'm going to focus using the term uh, a, a courage. Okay, all right. So as I, as I wrote here, I said, I'm reticent to call it courage because it conjures up images of John Wayne or Rocky Balboa. So we sometimes misconstrue this virtue with our own bravado backed up by belief in God uh, or what we may believe is a godly value, right? I, lots of people exhibit this kind uh, uh, of, uh, of courage in which you can't really tell the difference between courage that comes from the God of Israel, another God, or the God of my appetite. You know, people do all kinds of things in the name of God that are good and bad, 
but are, but are all called courageous acts. Uh, and uh, so we need to be a little bit more specific, right, about what we're talking about uh, when we uh, uh, use the word courage. So in the Bible, courage, and then uh, there was another word that I was thinking, should I not call it courage, but maybe the word confidence. Confidence is also a, uh, a good word. Having confidence. You know, when we frame the idea of, uh, uh, of uh, courage uh, in uh, uh, biblical in a biblical framework, I think there we could say uh, it is confidence in the power of God to be able to do something that may be uh, risky, may be outside of my comfort zone, uh, maybe not even in my own personal best interest, but you know, in the interests of others. In other words, it might be dangerous, right? It might make me an outcast. It doesn't have to do with rights or privileges, courage to, to get what I want or what I think belongs to me. That's another kind of courage that, that we're not really talking about right here. Okay, we don't want to mix that up with the courage that God talks about in the Scriptures. Okay? It's rather about devotion uh, uh, to God. Confidence means that my trust is in God and my empowerment comes from Him. And my courage, my, courage, my uh, desire to do what is right, regardless of, the, of what the consequences may be, uh, uh, means that I'm doing so because I'm following the, you know, the, way, of the, the way of the Lord. So uh, this is why, very interestingly, when we talk about a biblical understanding of courage, it means in relationship to humility, to be courageous as a Messiah follower. is to it, Part of it, we could say, is exhibiting humility. Remember a few weeks ago, we said that the basis of humility is being rightly connected to God. And that, therefore, humility is the opposite of pride and arrogance, right? Courage or confidence, it's not about pride or arrogance or even just an idea of, you know, being out there, so to speak. It, it, it can be, depends on the situation, about volume, <laughs> you know. But we could say a trust in God that causes me to stay steady and to not shrink back to do the right thing, to make a decision that requires trusting uh, that God is with me and uh, will not desert me, right? Uh, and, uh, and so uh, the most famous place, at the beginning of the Bible anyway, that we read about courage, is when Moses is commissioning Joshua and then God speaking to Joshua, Right? You know the phrase, right? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not, as it says in Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or, uh, or forsake you. Right? So we could say that 
Courageous. To be courageous means to be resolute, to be confident. Because here, Joshua is to know that God is going before him. It's not a courage that he has to work up, you know, uh, because he simply knows it, you know, it's a good thing. He doesn't have to stand in the mirror and work it up, you know, or to say, well, I know I'm right and I know they're wrong. And so uh, this is what I'm going to do. No, it is the confidence that Joshua had to know that he's not on his own. And that's why courage is really confidence as a virtue, as a biblical godly virtue. Courage uh, is uh, understanding the confidence to understand that God is with us and I'm empowered uh, by him. Okay, And then, of course, you have uh, Joshua uh, chapter 1. Okay? And that's, you know, the famous verses here. Many people have them maybe carved out on a piece of olive wood, you know, or something like that. Oh, oh no, I'm thinking of the other phrase uh, at the end of the book of Joshua. As for me and my house, we will sell many bread boxes and, you know, all kinds of interesting things. But um, anyway, here in uh, Joshua chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse uh, uh, um, 5, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the Torah which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn uh, to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous." Do not be tremble, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Clearly, this is talking about confidence in the Lord. He doesn't notice in those verses, he doesn't say, Now tell me about all of your artillery. I, uh, tell me about your strategy for overtaking the Canaanites. We know that God is going to teach Joshua a very important lesson a few chapters later about strategy. Because when, when Joshua has to do something that seems totally weird and absurd, that's how, that's how, uh, you know, victory comes, right? Uh, but then they have the uh, victory, you know, marching around the city over and over and over again. And uh, okay, then, then the walls come down and, and they have victory. Now Joshua thinks, I got this thing figured out. This is what we're going to do. There's a town down the road. I'm only going to bring so many people with me. And, you know, and, you know, and there's utter, utter failure. Because now his courage was more about hubris than trusting what God was doing in his life and in Israel. And uh, so, uh, clearly, a lot of lessons from, from Joshua. But this issue of being strong and courageous was trusting in God. Then there's another one in 1 Samuel chapter 17, a 
a story that we're all familiar with. David and Goliath, right? First uh, Samuel chapter uh, 17. Okay. And so, you know the story. Uh, Goliath is a giant. He's a Philistine. He's intimidating. He's scary, overwhelming, right? And, and he is harassing the you know, Saul. And, like, come and get me, right? And whoever wins, you know, is victorious. Come and get me, right? Uh, and we know that uh, Saul, we read in verse 11, I, uh, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid, right? So here they're, you know, they, they see what's going on. I mean, this is the reality of the situation, right? Uh, and uh, so you have Goliath taunting them. Saul and company are greatly afraid. But when David comes, and we don't need to read the whole story, David is the, uh, is the schlepper, right? David is going back and forth from his father uh, to his brothers uh, on the front lines there, making sure they have what they need. He's, you know, the, the youngest one, uh, not yet commissioned. Uh, he, didn't, he was not yet drafted, uh, right? Uh, and so David sees this. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he says this, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? So David here sees the whole thing. He's framing the whole thing, not from you know, Goliath is real bigger than us and there's a strategic victory that needs to be won and we don't think that we can do it. He sees the whole thing has to do with the reputation of God. The whole thing has to do uh, with whether God's name, not that these words are used in this passage, whether God's name is going to be profaned or God's name is going to be made holy. And we see this later on in Jewish history when Israel profanes the name of God by just acting like everybody else rather than being known as, you know, people who are related to God. And that's how David sees this. The first thing he says, I, what will be done to the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Because Israel uh, represents God. That is his agenda. Not about land, not about strategy, not even about Goliath. But that is his agenda. Who will take away the reproach from uh, Israel, right? Okay, so then a little farther down, uh, we read uh, this in verse 45. David says, now David speaks to Goliath. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You thought he was going to say with a, with a slingshot, right? It's not what it says, all right? That's always a, uh, by the way, uh, a good takeaway is read the Bible. Okay, anyway, sorry. All right, there you go. Uh, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. 
And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that I'm stronger than everybody else and I stand up for God. No, it's not what it says, right? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by, by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. It's all about the power of God. David's confidence was not in his abilities, not in his hubris, you know, not in his pride, not in his saying, you know, I know I can do this. I know I can get that Goliath, and I know how to do it. And God will have my back because he's with me. That is not at all uh, David's uh, attitude, right? David talks much in the Psalms about how God is the one who has delivered him. God is the one who has empowered him. Uh, you know, you read this uh, toward the end of his life, actually, in, um, in uh, 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 1 Samuel uh, a chapter, is it Second Samuel? Second Samuel chapter 22, which is very similar to Psalm 18, by the way. Okay? Which is a very interesting story in and of itself. But David talks there about his victories, but that God is the one who's done it, and God is the one who has empowered him for the glory of God. God, God, God. <laughs> Not uh, about uh, David. And so this story epitomizes courage and a, and, a, and a spiritual understanding uh, of it, just like humility, that it's rooted in our connectedness to the Lord, to know who we are in him and what he's done in our lives. And so courage is rooted in humility. It's rooted in the fact that, uh, you know, I, uh, I am empowered by God and I'm simply his servant uh, showing up at the right time, okay? In Psalm 27 and in Psalm 31, we read another, another uh, perspective on, on this. In uh, Psalm 27, you know Psalm 27, we read it, uh, you know, around the holidays and everything, right? The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? It all speaks of confidence in the Lord, of courage uh, in the Lord, of uh, not letting consequences determine my anxiety or, or fear. Okay? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war arise against me. In spite of this, I will be confident. So, by the way, uh, evidently, wars will arise. Uh, there are enemies. There are adversaries. There are evildoers, right? So, life can be tough. And it's not saying that I come away unscathed. But what it's saying is my confidence is in God. No matter what happens, my confidence is in God. And that's why at the end of the psalm, you always want to read the end of the psalms, of each psalm, because oftentimes it informs 
all the other verses in the psalm. Sometimes it's elaborating on the very beginning of the psalm. You know, very poetic. So, what do we read at the end of Psalm 27? Uh, in verse 13 and 14, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. As we know, the word wait and the word hope are, come from the same word group, the same family. Okay? Uh, and so to wait on the Lord is to hope in the Lord, right? To wait on the Lord is not to say, well, one of these days I hope something happens. To wait on the Lord is to wait with expectation, whether I see it in my lifetime or not. I wait with expectation, right? And so the courage comes here rooted not only in humility, but also in hope that I am able to be confident in the Lord because I know that this is not all there is. I'm able to be confident in the Lord and to have courage today because I know that the day is going to come when there will be complete vindication. That right will be right, wrong will be seen for what it is and judged the world will be turned right side up. It's already upside down, right? It's already upside down. Uh, the world will be turned right side up again. Uh, and uh, there will be order in this world. And remember, you know, I can't remember whether I've said it here or in my Ecclesiastes course, but, but biblical wisdom is about orderliness, about the way the, the, that God has ordered things. That's where our courage comes from. Not just, I can do it, I can do it, I know I can do it. No. But it, it's all rooted in the Lord. He created you in His image and His likeness. In Messiah Yeshua, He has done it all over again. Right? We're new uh, creatures, a new creation in Messiah Yeshua. That He dwells within us. He empowers us. And as we rely on Him, there will be empowerment and, and courage comes no matter what. It doesn't mean that we will see complete victory that way, the way we think we ought to see it, but that I can be courageous and I can be confident in the Lord all the days of my life. Because I know that the worst thing that can happen to me is to be present with the Lord. You know, someone asked me uh, this week about that. I had a meeting this week with a lovely person, uh, and we spent uh, about two-plus hours talking about, you know, uh, everything from uh, Israel's role in this world to this issue of what heaven is, you know? And so that's right in our wheelhouse, isn't it? And, I, and so I, I, I said, uh, you know, to this uh, person that uh, the reality is, is that uh, you know, the day is uh, uh, going to come. Of course, when the Lord returns here, we're, we keep thinking about going elsewhere, right? We, we're ready to go elsewhere when Yeshua wants to come here. Have you ever thought of it in those terms? Right. He's coming back here. Okay, that means here must be okay at some point in time, right? And when there'll be transformation. But I said, but in the meantime, the question is, what happens in the meantime? Where do we go? And everybody has different euphemisms, 
right? So let's just stick with the text of the Bible, right? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And what I said is, what does that mean? Well, she said, what does that mean? Was it? I said, you know, all I can tell you is it's really good. All right? To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Everything I know, everything I know from the scriptures tells me to be present with the Lord is a good thing. And so therefore, I can have confidence that as I am living within the boundaries of godliness, as I am walking with the Lord, living a Torah way of life, we might say, as long as I am waiting for the Lord, my hope is in him, I can walk with confidence you know, uh, making wise choices the best I can and keep moving forward because God will never leave me. God will never forsake me. I can have confidence. And then in Psalm 31, verse 24, we read again, I, um, in 20 verses, at the very end of Psalm 31. Notice again, see, when you read the beginning and the end, it's always... Very helpful. The beginning of Psalm 31 says, In thee, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. And then go to the end. Be strong and let your heart take courage. All you who hope in the Lord, or wait on the Lord. All you who hope in the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. He's saying this because things are really bad. That's why he's saying it. He's not saying it because I am on easy street, be courage and wait for the Lord. No, he's saying it in a, in a, a difficult time. You know, and as someone I uh, once said, you know, in a way we find out who we really are because we're kind of like tea bags, right? When you put us in hot water, what we really are made of comes out. I thought that was pretty good. You, you know, that what we're really made of comes out. And, uh, you know, and when our hope is in the Lord, when our faith and our trust is in him, when the rubber meets the road, I will be confident in the Lord. I don't know what the outcome of the exact event will be, but I will be confident in the Lord, not in my own ingenuity or not in a philosophy, but in the Lord himself. Okay? So you can tell from this, I've noticed we've moved. Courage is not always about fighting, like Joshua taking the land uh, and uh, David and Goliath. Sometimes, you know, it's not about a particular battle, but it's about just being able to get up in the morning, right? And to be confident in, in life and to be able to face my kids and my husband or my wife in the morning or my employees or my employer or the people that I serve, uh, you know, it's not always uh, an easy thing. It is the strength to wait for the Lord. Courage is the strength to keep going in the most difficult of circumstances, knowing that God has not abandoned any of us and that the day of deliverance will come. Indeed. So we could say that courage then is about being encouraged. Isn't that interesting? Encouraged. Right? Think about that. All right. About being encouraged. So then in the Brit Harashah, the New Covenant Scriptures, in the Gospel of John, 
uh, in uh, chapter 16. Right? So this is, a, this is a great passage of Scripture. This is actually at the Seder. Right? A lot of conversation went on. At the, they were not only eating parsley dipped in salt water at the, at, you know, at, at the Seder there. There was a lot of conversation. In fact, everything you read in chapter 14, 15, and 16 in the Gospel of John is taking place at that dinner. He says a lot of things. What is he trying to explain to them in the big scheme of things? It's going to get rough. I'm going away. You're going to be upset. You're going to be confused. But I want you to remember that it's the best thing. They completely misunderstand him, and they figure, can we go too? Where are you? Are you going to like another land or another region? You know, are you going to get like new disciples or something? You know, what, what's going to happen? They, they, they did not understand it. But, uh, you know, this is, um, this is what he is saying. He says at the beginning of chapter 16, These things I have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. In other words, you know, and we know what happens, right? They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But in an hour, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you. That's already like problematic if I'm sitting there. <laughs> All right. Okay. An hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. And these things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. You always want to read that when you're being persecuted, by the way. Right? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Very, very important. In our world, that's strategic. Right? But these things I have spoken to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. I warned you, this is not an out-of-control situation. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, uh, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he's describing, of course, the Ruach HaKodesh, who will be poured out, uh, who will convict the world, who will judge, who will empower them, and, and, uh, and so on. And tell them the truth. Okay? Uh, and then in verse 16, he says, A little while, and you will no longer behold me. And again, in a little while, you will you will see me. In other words, he's telling them about his death and, you know, resurrection. Okay? And of course, what do they say? What is, what is he telling us? A little while and you will not behold me. And again, in a little while, you will see me. I go to the Father. So they were saying, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he's talking about. By the way, that's a great verse to memorize. Okay? So that when you uh, have a hard time figuring out what he's talking about, you're not the only ones. All right? All right. And so uh, he says in verse 20, Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. 
When a woman is in travai, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she remembers the anguish no more for joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too now have sorrow, but I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice and no one takes your joy away from you. And then he goes on and, uh, you know, you can read this uh, on your own. But then uh, he says, uh, he says this at the very, very end. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And so Yeshua is saying, he says, you have tribulation, not just like for the next, uh, you know, uh, three or four days. But he's saying, in this world, you have tribulation, you have problems, you have tsuris, you have trials, you have disappointment, you have regrets. You know, you get, uh, you know, you think you're going the right direction. All of a sudden, a left turn comes your way or dead end or, uh, you, you know, you're going to have trouble. But take courage, be confident, because I have overcome the world no matter what happens in this world. And then there are all those other verses, you know, uh, that we read. Uh, and many of them come from John, by the way, uh, that uh, you may be in the world, but you're not of the world. Greater is he who is in you than, than he who is in the world. Uh, and so do not let the circumstances of this life determine your level of worry, anxiety, all of that, because no matter what, I am with you no matter what. And what do we know? That as long as we abide in the vine, as long as we stay in Yeshua, He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But remember that He was misunderstood. Remember that He showed great confidence and great courage when He was crucified by weaker people. When He allowed this to unfold for the good of mankind. That was His great Courage and his confidence, of course, is in the Father. Uh, and so very important uh, for us. We may be, uh, you know, e experiencing that right, uh, right now. Humility and confidence. Remembering that God has delivered me from darkness into light. I belong to him by his mercy. I could not do it myself. He has done it for me and he has done it in me and he is still in the process of saving me, right? Uh, and he will never leave me. So no matter what they say, no matter what happens, even if I make big mistakes, I know that I am what? Accepted in the beloved. I may have to pay consequences for my actions. I may have to pay civil consequences. I may have to pay penalties or just regrets for my actions. But God will never do away with me. And again, at the end of the day, I will be with the Lord. And that gives us that confidence to keep going every day, no matter what disappointments I, uh, you know, that we have. This chapter 16 is a very emotional chapter. When you read it very carefully, uh, you know, the things that he is saying is very emotional and their reaction as well. 
Okay, uh, and so he is telling them to, to, you know, have confidence. It's going to be okay, right? Uh, and so he's saying that, uh, uh, you know, to have courage is to indeed stand firm. To endure the face of hardship, knowing that there's going to be deliverance. This is what it means to stand firm and to be resolute. To not fear, but to trust. As I said, it takes courage to get out of bed in the morning. It takes courage to forgive. It takes courage to love your enemies. All of this comes from the confidence that we have in God, right? All is rooted in the confidence of God and his ultimate vindication. This is the difference between macho and faithful, knowing when to act and perhaps even when to be silent. Peter demonstrates this afterwards. We see that he stumbles. Peter messes up, right? But one of my favorite places in in this text is when Yeshua is raised from the dead, and the women come, and he says, tell all the disciples to meet me. And he says, and Peter too. He says that. Can you imagine if that was you? You know what I mean? I'll just use me. Yeah. And Howard too. Wow, I'm not out. I messed up royally. But I'm not out. He even calls me by name and says, me too. He says, you too. Wow. And so what does Peter end up doing? He shows great confidence in the Lord when he stands up in front of a multitude of people. And he starts to explain what's going on when people are speaking the language and dialects around them and, you know, all these amazing, miraculous things are going on. He stands up and he explains it. That takes real confidence and courage in the Lord. But then what does he do? He goes to jail. He's delivered from it. You know, his confidence is in the Lord. One place where he does say, you know, I I have to obey God rather than men. But he does so saying that I'm willing to pay whatever the price is for that. (laughs) You you know, Uh, and uh, and so very, very important. And then, of course, uh, you know, there's a passage that doesn't use the word confidence or doesn't use the word courage, but you're familiar with it. It's in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, in verse uh, uh, 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, i.e., be confident, be courageous, okay? And then you know it, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Standing firm, that certainly uh, is courage and, and uh, a confidence. You know what it reminds me of, though? It reminds me of the end of Habakkuk, where uh, he says that, um, oh, um, uh, that my confidence in the Lord is like having hinds feet in high places, right? You know the name of the book, but it was actually in the Bible right? In a couple of different places, like having hinds feet in high places. You know what it means? That means that my confidence is in God, so therefore I can stand on a precarious perch. You know, the the picture I get in my mind is like you have a cliff, 
you know? Uh, and, uh, and just under, all I can think of is like Roadrunner here, I don't know, but, but uh, you have a cliff. And at the edge of the cliff, a little ways down, there's like a little branch sticking out, right? And, uh, you know, and to be able to stand on that little branch sticking out from that cliff. Hind's feet in high places. I know, it's about an animal on a perch and all that. Uh, but, uh, but the point being is that that's the kind of confidence that I can have in God. That's not macho. To the world, that's stupid. It's crazy. It's not something to be admired. But this is what it means to have confidence and trust and courage uh, in the Lord. So that's when he says to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of, of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming missiles of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And, and with this in view, be on the alert. And with all perseverance and petition for the saints. And then he says, hey, and pray for me too. Okay, because, uh, because I need it. But the point here is, is that he says, you know, he uses terms, uh, stand firm, be strong in the Lord. Uh, he says, uh, do ever that you may be able, you know, resist having done everything to stand firm. What's interesting here, he's not talking about like strategy, like, like uh, military political strategy or manipulation of a situation so that I'll be able to do this or that. You know, we do need to be wise, wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. We do need to be smart. In what we do, no doubt, okay? But you might find it interesting uh, to uh, turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 59 for just a second. What? We're talking about fighting the enemy and, and all that. What does Isaiah 59 have to do with any of this? Well, uh, humor me for a second, and let's go over to Isaiah, Isaiah 59. All right, in Isaiah 59, in verse 16 and 17, this might be kind of interesting. And he saw that there was no man, and was astonished that there was no man to intercede, no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on the righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with a zeal, with zeal as a mantle. The point is, is that when it talks about putting on the armor of God, it means putting on the Lord, putting the Lord on. 
Because this, this comes, what he's saying in Ephesians chapter 6, comes from here in Isaiah 59. And God is saying, this is what Isaiah is, this is what God has done. And so now what Paul is saying, you put on the strength of the Lord. And the Lord will protect you and empower you. Okay? I, and so very, very, very important. And then, of course, uh, back in Ephesians chapter 10, what is, as we all know from hearing sermons and teachings and Sunday school lessons on this, that the offensive weapon is the word of God. Uh, right? The sword uh, the sword of the Spirit, right? Uh, which is the word of God. Now, what you don't want to do when you see that is, okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm going to bang you over the head with my Bible, right? <laughs> uh, but no, know the word of God, that the word of God is quite powerful. It also doesn't mean just shouting people down with the word of God in arrogance and in pride, all right? But it means that the word of God is what you have. You know, that... Uh, uh, it is not chariots and it is not horses, but it is the Lord our God who sustains us and who wins our victories and our battles. We need to remember that, uh, you know, in the world uh, in, in which we live, that this virtue, this confidence in God, this godliness, this, able, this ability to live in godliness, to be, as we might say, someone who doesn't look at the world and say, and be beaten down by it, but recognize that my strength is in the Lord, my hope is in God, uh, my uh, protection is uh, from the Lord. I am called a, uh, to, to put on the new self. I am called to walk in the way of the Lord. I am called to live in a manner worthy of that calling. Uh, and that is where my courage and my confidence and my well-being comes from. You know, as virtues, uh, when we look at confidence uh, and courage in this way, uh, you know, and we look at humility and we look at mercy, in a way, they're countercultural to this world in the way that we present them. And that is indeed correct, right? Because as the Bible says, our citizenship is in heaven. So what does that mean? It means that uh, like people that come from different lands, we have a particular way of life. We have a particular way of life that we live, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we speak to others. I, the, uh, the, the, the way that we, um, our deportment and the way that the world sees us. May the world see us and say, wow, that is what I've been looking for. That is what I've been hoping for. May people see this in us uh, and may it be a testimony. And as we continue on our 50-day journey, may we see a deepened walk with God, a transformation where, wow, I see in my life a, 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 a more of a sense of humility and of mercy and of confidence and courage in the Lord.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for your word that says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Lord, may we never forget that truth. Lord, no matter how beat down we may feel about ourselves or what the voice of other people might be, may we remember who we are in you. No matter how disappointed we might get, no matter how disillusioned we, we may become in people or in institutions, may our confidence be in you, Lord. And uh, God, we look forward, indeed, to that day, Lord, of vindication. We look forward to that day when the world will be turned right side up. And may we, in anticipation of that, live, indeed, a right side up life, having confidence Encourage, showing mercy with an understanding of and, and being a humble human being. And we pray in Messiah's name. Amen.